The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. The Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Thanks, Liz. So today we're starting uh, an eight-week sermon series, and it's on the Beatitudes. If you don't know the word Beatitudes, it's really the beautiful attitudes of the kingdom of God. And you probably can't read from the slide, in fact, but it says there, living right side up in an upside down world. The world is crazy (laughs) in so many ways. And that's not, not how God wants us. And so these are resources. How do we live wisely and well, right side up in an upside down world? And these famous words of Jesus are called the Sermon on the Mount, because it is. It's a sermon, and he gave it on a mount. It's as easy as that. But it might be helpful to know a little bit of background that Matthew is very careful to try and portray Jesus as a new Moses. If you don't know the story of the Old Testament, Moses is the saviour of the people. By God's grace, he leads the people into the promised land. And so, what does that look like? Well, um, Moses brought the people up out of Egypt, and Matthew is the gospel writer who records that Herod was trying to kill Jesus when he was a baby, and they ran down Joseph took the family down into Egypt, and then Matthew quotes the Old Testament prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I have called my son. Ah, so Jesus, like Moses, is coming up with the rescue mission from Egypt. And, of course, uh, Moses, the people pass through the water, and then the first thing that Jesus does is he passes through the water in his baptism, just as we've seen candidates baptized today, um, the waters of baptism, the journey to be put right with God. And then the people were 40 years in the wilderness, and Matthew tells us Jesus was 40 days and nights in the wilderness. And finally, Moses goes up the mountain to receive God's law, and here we have Jesus going up a mountain, because I always thought it was a bit mean. It says there were lots of uh, poor and blind and crippled people, and Jesus says, oh, I'm going up the mountain now. Oh, what a meanie. But actually, it's deliberately trying to say he's the new Moses, the new lawgiver. So he goes up the mountain, and then it says, literally, and he opened his mouth to speak. I think, well, there's no other way to speak, is there? But it's a technical term about um, a rabbi who's going to teach, because... um, 
I'm the only one standing. Look at you all sitting down. But in those days, the rabbi would sit down and everyone else would stand. So it's just saying Jesus is now beginning this new law, this new amazing teaching. And here it is. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but we've probably heard that many, many times. But really, it's a terrible anticlimax. We've had all this wait for, what's Jesus going to say? As blessed are the poor in spirit? I mean, where's that at? What's that about? So, just uh, have a think. The word blessed, what does it really mean? What's the first thing that comes into your head as... <laughs> You think about it, if it's there, it's probably not what Jesus had in mind, in fact. So just turn to your neighbor, and if you could have a synonym, one other word that takes the place of blessed, or if you want to sound holy, blessed. What is the word? What does it actually mean if you're blessed? Okay. Okay, some of you are talking about lunch now. Gather together, please. Okay. Anyone want to shout out the word you came up with? Happy. So the closest word to blessed, the normal word, would be happy. And in some Bibles, they're translated that. How happy. Any others? Favoured. Favoured. Protected. So there's lots of words. The second most sort of connected word of the the use of the word at the time, was lucky. I don't know how we'd feel about that reading Matthew 5. It could be you. You know, the lottery winners. The lucky ones are the poor in spirit. It's quite a, a strange thought. That's what it means. So one Bible commentator I looked at uh, had it supremely happy and joyful. And who are these people? The poor in spirit. So it's, it's a, an apparent contradiction because they don't seem especially blessed. Who are they? Uh, well, first and most obviously, uh, it's people without money. They are poor. And even though poor in spirit is bigger than that, it's not less than people who are poor. And some of you have been poor or today are poor. And maybe people know about it. Probably they don't, because we don't want to really advertise that sort of thing. But if you don't have enough money, you have very few choices. You don't have many options, and you don't have very long in time to make decisions. Everything comes on you in a rush. Uh, I've lived in relative poverty. I'm not at the moment, thank God. But it's, it's a horrible feeling. Some of you have maybe never experienced that, but it's a horrible, horrible feeling, and it grinds you down. So the poor in spirit does mean more than poverty. Um, it's really people who don't know how they're going to cope. They just don't have enough of whatever resource it is. The poor in spirit includes people who don't have a high opinion of themselves. They may well be people who suffer from depression. They lack self-worth and self-confidence. 
They don't think they have very much to bring to the party. And in fact, if they didn't go to the party, they think they wouldn't be missed. Now, in what part of the universe could this possibly be true that those are the very lucky people? Because they sound unlucky, unhappy, and unblessed. Well, that place is called the kingdom of heaven. In God's view, how he sees the universe, how is that possibly true? Surely God wants them to have easier lives. Well, I'd paraphrase it perhaps like this. Blessed are those who know their need of God. God gives them all he has. So the kingdom of heaven is wherever God rules and reigns. But that's not going to happen in us if, you know, thanks God, but I'm fine. I don't need God. I remember talking to uh, someone who uh, had a very dangerous life in Africa and he had suffered terribly. And I remember once, so I don't know why this has even popped into my head, but I said, have, do you think it's possible to see Jesus physically? And he said, yes, I have. And then he said, nothing less would do. There are people in extreme situations when all they've got is God. I used to work in a direct access shelter for homeless people in Southampton. Um, and I've done some work with people who are homeless in this country. Um, think of a guy called Peter. And... He was so close to God. He had acute mental health problems. He had all sorts of lifestyle difficulties. He had trouble communicating and socializing. But he was much more holy than me. He was so dependent on God. I found it challenging. And when we had him for a meal, it was like having an angel. It really was. I'm not pretending it was like it. It really was, because he was so vulnerably, so completely, he said, of course I, Jesus is my only friend. Of course I love him. Whereas I've got a few other friends. Maybe I'm losing a few at the moment, I don't know. But, you know, there are people who are close to the edge who know God is their God. It's very challenging, I find. So blessed are those who know their need of God. I wonder if you have any sense that you need God. When I'm desperate, which happens occasionally, I tend to pray on my knees. I don't know why I do that. I mean, it's in the Bible. But I don't think, God knows what's in my heart. But it all means, it's like I feel like I'm saying to God, I really mean this one. I wonder, when was the last time you got on your knees that you were desperate to God and you don't know how it's going to go because it's not twisting God's arm it's not a slot machine but you're just vulnerably saying God I need your help and no one else can help me those are the people Jesus says are blessed because they know they need God 
And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, where the rule and reign of God is, where people are dependent on him. When Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the good news, uh, in Matthew, later on then, he says, don't take any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag or for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. So they had some stuff and he said, right, you're just going out on a really challenging journey and mission moment. The best way to prepare is get rid of everything you have and you'll be so aware you really need God. That's a rather a costly thing to have to do. I mean, he didn't say it to everyone all the time. And the disciples often lived. And Jesus, it says, was helped by the people of hospitality out of their wealth. So it's not that we all have to give away everything all the time. But there is this particular call of trying to live. That's why Jesus said it's hard for rich people to get into heaven. Why would they possibly think they need it? They've got everything. They're already full. They're not needing God. So lean on God, not on a stick. So those whom God think God would never help or even notice them are the very ones he includes. God's mercy, grace, and kindness are for those who feel they least deserve or expect it. Just like the hymn writer wrote, it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And in your nice clothes, you don't all look wretches. But then I don't know what's underneath. I don't mean your clothes, in your head, in your heart. And it's probably a good job. Because actually there's wretchedness in all of us. There's brokenness in every human being. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. But as we look in the mirror, we see it's a distorted image. We're all broken. But most of us in our culture pretend that's not true. So being poor in spirit means we orientate ourselves to admit we need God. And that's why I'm a vicar, because God has shown his goodness and kindness even to me. And if you think I'm a loser, you should see what I was like without Jesus. I'm even worse than this. Chris and Anna could tell you so many stories. Sort of miracles, but they're not the sort of obvious miracles always, but gently people's lives being changed and transformed by amazing grace. As they get to know they are loved unexpectedly by God, but they only believe that probably because they've met Chris and Anna. It, they made it incarnate to them, just as Lindsay read out from, one, uh, from John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us when we know God living among us. And, and Harry and, and Lindsay, Elena and Maggie, baptized today, they're baptized to say, I need God. It's, it's a posture of vulnerability of, um, you know, we could see this is an embarrassing thing. You're putting yourself in front of people. It's awkward. But saying, no, I, I need to go public on the fact that I need God. And why would we pretend we don't? Because through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that's the only way we can share in the victory of God over sin and guilt, because we find we're completely loved and forgiven, over failure and even death, 
because we share in the resurrection of Jesus right now. That's not just a hope for the future, it's right now. And over hopelessness, because God gives us purpose and calls us, commissions us to change the world with him. Do we honestly think we don't need God's help? I know we do. We're not sorted. So this church is not a showcase for saints. It's a clinic for sinners. We're the poor in spirit. That may be obvious or completely hidden, but that's what faith is. And even though it seems so crazy to some, we believe that Jesus on a hillside gives words of life. The Beatitudes. Living right side up in an upside down world. So repentance literally means turning around. Reorientating ourselves around the way God sees things. And Jesus invites us all to do exactly that. Because that's the place of blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So we're going to be going through these different lucky people in the next eight weeks. And I encourage you to cultivate poverty of spirit. And also think of the resources you do have and whether they are surrendered to God. Or is it just my little private stash for me? Or could I expand the circle of grace? You remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So, I hope you're all depressed. No, of course I don't. It's not to be depressed. And if you've been blessed with lots of stuff, say thank you and then think how we use it. 